Exact Nature's all-natural CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you with addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, or even improving sleep. Founded by a father and son in recovery, they truly understand the needs of the sober community. Learn more at exactnature.com and as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive 20% off. Exactnature.com. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic six years from my last drink. My sobriety is such a huge part of who I am. I decided that I needed to help others find their voice and share their journey too. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who live them. Head on over to thesobrietydiaries.com where you can join our insiders list for exclusive content, early release episodes, and more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Recovery is possible. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode and spending part of your day with me here on the Sobriety Diaries. Wow, season two. I can't believe it. None of this would be possible without you. I am truly grateful for the continued support and for the community that we have been able to build around addiction and more importantly, recovery. I am truly grateful. And I thought that it would be fun to kick season two off by looking back at some of our most popular guests from season one in sort of a where are they now episode. So today we are chatting with our guests from season one to sort of get an update on their recovery and what life looks like today. Huge thank you to everyone who agreed to come back and chat today. You truly are the heart and soul of this show, and it wouldn't be possible without you. So thanks again. We are starting things off today with Brie Surma. We originally talked to Brie in episode 27, titled Transitioning into Sobriety. Brie was early into his recovery journey and was also settling into life as his true self. Bree, thanks so much for A, being a part of the Sobriety Diaries family and making time for us today for, you know, this sort of update. Oh, of course. It's my honor, truly. I love how our relationship sort of organically formed. You were a listener of the show and reached out on Instagram and so grateful for you being willing to share your story. It's it's a powerful story. And, uh, you know, you and I both agree that recovering out loud is super important to help those who may still be struggling. 100%. It's truly like still the number one thing that gets me through like the hardest days to this day you know it's still when i'm struggling i turn on an episode or just something and i connect with someone else reach out to somebody else that i've met through this this amazing thing that you've created or just anything you know it's yeah it's been an amazing resource for myself just selfishly you know yeah. I, I can't can't even say it's not. We have to protect that though, right? For ourselves. Yep. We are now roughly eight months, right? Into your mm -hmm. sobriety journey. And yes. looking back, what a change. You know, if, if I would have told you eight months ago, you would be a business owner and, you know, all of these other amazing things that have happened or are, are still yet to happen in the future. I'm almost speechless about it. Can you imagine? Yeah, I know. It's it's truly like the biggest blessing every day is just waking up, like realizing that I just have to stay strong another day and I'm going to like continue like growing past this point because it's like hard. Like there's that beginning like of sobriety where you're like, yeah, jazz, let's like do <laughs> yeah. it. And then hit that hump and you're like oh something bad happens or 
something stressful and you're just like, oh man, what do I do now? And then like a lot of the time is spent just being like just being present for the first time in like a very long time. Yeah. And that's been like the biggest obstacle I think so far. <laughs> Cause I was definitely, you know, escaping my thoughts any chance that I could like any second I could. So it was, it's definitely like a big change for me and something I had to work, work through and still continue to work through like almost every day. I can't even lie. It's, yeah still like a daily occurrence you know right sobriety the journey of of sobriety and recovery and the journey of transitioning to insanely important and powerful and hard things to do in life and mm -hmm. years were sort of concurrent and sort of yeah. happening <laughs> at the same time. Call that a double whammy. That's what they call it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, looking back, it's almost like, do I sort of handle these together? Do I have to like mentally separate my feelings about one versus the other? Yeah. Let's just kind of talk about the process. I truly think like one had to fall into place in order for the other to get any better um you know like i had to gain some happiness and some confidence in myself before i was ever even close to like being ready to quit drinking because that's exactly what i was drinking away every night it was the like hating myself when i looked in the mirror it was like all of like the stress about living life like trying to pass and trying to become like this person that I was trying to become with all of these other like stresses added on to it, you know? Yeah. I think top surgery was really what started the ball rolling really for me because I still drank a lot for a little bit afterwards, but um, that was dealing with like the initial like healing and everything. That's not like a easy thing. I was dealing with like all the healing and everything. And then once I started to kind of like go back to work, feel a little bit better back to my normal, I started really feeling like myself, you know, I started to feel comfortable in my skin. I started to like, like what I saw when I looked in the mirror. Uh, then when those things started to happen, it was easier to say that I had like a life that I wanted to live for you know what I mean I didn't want yeah. to be blackout drunk every single day I wanted to see these changes that were happening I was like it sounds like full of myself but I was amazed like that I was finally at this point I never thought I would get there I never thought I'd live to see the day where I was that happy and I still wasn't even like as happy as I am yeah. now, you know what I mean? So it was like crazy for me. It was just wild. <laughs> Brie, where do you see this journey taking you in the next three or four years? I try my best to stay as active as I can in the community. I want to eventually like do any opportunity that I can to share my story. I want to take it. And I just hope to stay strong in my journey. Yeah, it's the first time in a long time that I can say that. Well, Brie, such gratitude for you and, you know, us connecting in this crazy online recovery space. I look forward to <laughs> continuing that and collaborating or working together in the future, my friend. Anytime. See you later. Next, we are chatting with my friend, Kiana. We talked to Kiana in episode 10, From Homeless to Hopeful. So good to see you again, Kiana. How are you? I'm great. It's, it's incredible to see you too. You look awesome. <laughs> Ditto. It's been a minute since we chatted, but we've worked on some things here and there together. And 
Uh, you are a regular on our recovery roundtable chat. So season two, can you believe it? Incredible. From, you know, inception on Reddit and trying to put it together and all the back work that you had done that, you know, nobody really saw behind the scenes to now not only beginning this season two, but also the other branches of this incredible work that, that you've created. You literally were one of the first people that reached out and that I spoke to and that we set up the interview and look at us now. Right. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> so when we first talked, Phoebe was uh, sort of still in her infant phase. How mm-hmm. has motherhood sort of evolved with your recovery? And, you know, what does motherhood and sobriety look like today? Motherhood, I would say, was probably obviously the most rewarding, but one of the most difficult things. And if you go back to the episode where I shared a lot of my testimony, the last three or four years have just been these monumental highs and lows. And, you know, like any process of life, that's the way it's going to be. But for us specifically, it was this, you know, incredible season where we got married and we had three very short months of, you know, wedding bliss, I guess you would say. And then, you know, we lost our home. Then we lost so many people close to us struggling with grief and then having a miscarriage and trying to navigate that as a brand new couple. Then after that, to, you know, finally, get pregnant to receive it to be so unbelievably chronically ill while I was pregnant being pregnant for three or four months when COVID struck all of a sudden the the change of reality that that was going to bring as a new mom a first-time mom somebody who's in recovery when we saw relapse spike when we saw a lot of relationships split going through that then understanding what postpartum was like So to go from a year of grief to a year of sickness, chronic illness, to go to a year of pandemic and postpartum depression, it felt like hit after hit after hit after hit. But the truth of the matter is never once did I ever consider that my sobriety was in jeopardy. Never once did I think, you know, I could really go for um, a shot of meth or, you know, a hit of dope. It never crossed my mind. I knew that there was purpose in it. But now, where I am now... (laughs) where my baby is a year and a half old, my toddler, I shouldn't even say baby. <laughs> She'll always be your baby. She'll always be my baby. <laughs> but now the the change in personality, there was this very definitive line that went from, this is still a tiny person that doesn't know why they're making noise, you know, can't communicate their feelings to all of a sudden this this tangible line where she's snuggling back to me in bed. Or she's now saying mama, or she can tell me when she wants to go to sleep. And to see this personality develop and and how she takes things in, I look at her and I can't, like, you can feel the dopamine rush, like the natural dopamine rush that comes just from the pleasure of life, like looking at life. What a difficult process and journey it was. And oh my goodness, it is so much better than anything I could have asked for. And even after two, three, four years of being sober, I still had no idea who I was or what I wanted because I was under this hedge of other leadership, other accountability. So it took three, four, five, six years of life coming for me to even say, wow, maybe I would like to be a wife. Maybe I would like to have a family. I just didn't know what I didn't know. Your story is one of the most wow, powerful of like hit after hit after hit. And we see such high relapse rates. What advice would you give to, you know, folks who are early in recovery that just, you know, see these traumatic life events that they have to walk through? What I would tell anyone who is struggling right now is, is the same advice that I give consistently and will continue to give. Uh, It, you know, there are many, many routes to get to and maintain sobriety. But the two things that you're always going to see is one, a personal decision, a personal desire to get sober, stay sober, do what needs to be done to change the surroundings and to maintain it for themselves. But two, the type of community that you surround yourself with. 
And I understand for a long time, particularly in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, meetings were shut down, churches were shut down, people, you know, not just six feet apart, but people were staying in their homes. So even sponsor-sponsees relationships or mentor-mentee relationships were very difficult to continue to acquire. But because we have technology, because, you know, we're sitting on something like Zoom or another platform where we're able to see each other face to face from hundreds of miles away, we have the ability and we have the capability to really lock into these communities, find a community that fits. You know, we have podcasts on every single platform stream that we could possibly have. There are YouTube videos everywhere, Skype groups. There are things that are happening on Facebook Place that you can join in and it doesn't matter where you live. So the thing that I would suggest is one, do it for yourself. If you do it for your spouse, you do it for your child, you do it for reason other than you want to maintain a personal well-being, then it's never going to hold. Because what happens if that relationship ends? What happens if you relapse and your children are removed? What happens when you lose a parent or a sibling? What are you going to hold on to? And the truth of the matter is, if you don't have a personal desire and a community that you're willing to be transparent with, share your ins and out with, you know, be able to have a conversation where you receive, you can be corrected in love and it's not a personal attack. People you can get transparent with. That's the success for maintaining sobriety, getting it and keeping it. And the best thing you can do, like we say in the rooms, is you can keep what you have by giving it away. So now that you gain some of that sobriety, you hang around with your people, you take that walk, start mentoring other people too. Because when you're having a really bad day and you feel like everything is going horrible, you wouldn't believe the mentality shift that happens when you start to build somebody else up. All of a sudden, you're grateful. So powerful. Yeah. We talk a lot about you know everyone like finding their own path to recovery and no two look the same. And 12-step is, is cool and works for some people and is not the route for others. You and I are the perfect example of that. (laughs) But I think the one consistent or the one commonality is that community and surrounding yourself with like-minded people, folks that kind of get it. What are you grateful for today, Kiana? Uh, I was actually thinking about this before I I jumped on the (laughs) I knew that you would not miss an opportunity to ask me what I'm grateful for. There was one time that I forgot to ask you and I won't ever again. (laughs) I'll never miss it again. The thing that I was most grateful for is being able to speak the truth, that my life is a testimony, that every single thing that I I think, do, say, breathe is all done in purpose. And to be aware that you have great purpose in your life. And I woke up this morning just so grateful that I was able to live another day. Kiana, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for always being open and willing to share. We will be collaborating again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. We are here with Jack, who we talked to in episode 29, Children of Addiction. Hey, Jack, good to see you again, buddy. Good to see you, Nate. How you been? Everything good? Everything's good. No complaints. Awesome. Uh, keeping busy, staying out of trouble. Sweet. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's great, man. That's awesome. You've got some pretty big life changes too. You've started college and sort of the next chapter in your life as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I'm in my first semester at uh, Palm Beach Atlantic now. Um, they've been uh, gracious enough to give me uh, some scholarship to help me out with uh, the finances and, uh, I'm on the golf team there and, uh, I'm majoring in, uh, in finance actually. So, um, it'll be, it'll be really good. I'm excited. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just good to be back in the school environment, you know, cause I'm a guy who really doesn't, I never used to see people my age that much because of the alcohol culture. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Palm Beach Atlantic is a pretty small private school. Uh, it's faith-based. Um, although I'm Jewish and it's Christian, it's still faith-based and, um, you know, so there's not any parties on campus. It's a pretty toned down, you know, faith school, which is good, you know, so yeah. there's not that many parties, no liquor around. So it's it's a good fit for me, for sure. Cool. Well, Jack's episode is very powerful and we tell a story from a different perspective, not from the alcoholic's mouth, but someone who has been affected by it and grew right. up with an alcoholic mother. And, you know, we talk a lot about that in the episode. So definitely check that out. But I kind of just wanted to get an update um, on you and your mom's relationship. Why don't you kind of just walk us through an update? Yeah. So, I mean, 
the first thing I'll say is, you know, my mom and I um, kind of like I, I think I might have mentioned in my episode, my mom and I's relationship uh, ever since I met with her. It's kind of been, you know, it's very just, it's yeah. definitely very surface level. You should, you know, with a mother and a son, there's supposed to be warmth, you know, and, and I'm not saying, you know, obviously that there's no warmth, you know, that's kind of the basis of it. I saw her for, she came down for Christmas, you know, I went and ate dinner with her and uh, and her father, my grandpa, and it was good. You know, I saw, uh, I saw her and uh, her son, who's three now, which mm. is, you know, crazy to see, yeah. you know, it's really weird when you're the baby of the family for so everybody's, long yeah. and everybody's seen you grow up and now, you know, you, you go and see someone and now you're seeing, um, someone grow up. And so it's just, it's just really interesting. We talk on the phone, maybe once a month, once every two months, I'm, I see her once a year, you know, so it's just, it's respectful. And, um, you know, I'm just glad that, that she's still around, you know, that's yeah. all that matters. Does she know that you spoke on a podcast or are trying yeah. to help others? She does. Yeah. So she actually, she actually listened to it. Um, you know, obviously there's some opinions there that, you yeah. know, I'm not going to get into, but I mean, it's, you know, I'm sure it's hard to hear a story like that, especially now that when you, when you get sober right? Um, and you hear, you know, someone's perspective that you love of what you were like as an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm sure it's not easy to hear. And so, you know, but she did listen to it and um, I'm glad she listened to it, you know. That's one of the sort of most devastating things looking back is how our behaviors and decisions affected other people. Definitely. Yeah. So I know we talked previously a little bit about, you know, you you want to be a family man in the future and have a wife Definitely. and children. So how do you foresee yourself approaching the topic of addiction once your children are you know old enough to understand it yeah it's a it's an important question because it's never too early to start thinking about how you're going to be as a parent you know i'm only 18 but you know i might be a parent in 18 years and my the first 18 years went like this and so right. you don't want the next 18 <laughs> years to go like this and you never thought about it so i've already kind of thought about this and the first thing you have to do is you have to educate and Absolutely. you have to educate and you have to lead by example, right? Something that I always believe just from being a teenager, obviously I don't drink and I don't party, but if you tell, uh, let's say I have a daughter, if I tell my daughter, you can't drink, what's the first thing she's going to want to do? She's out the door. Okay. That's my <laughs> point. So the, I, as a parent, am not going to be, I, I'm not the kind of parent that's going to say to my kids what they can't do. You can't drink. Well, that just makes the incentive for a teen for my kids to drink even more appealing. Right. That's just the way that the teenage brain works. You know, it's always rebellious. So what what I'm going to do is I'm going to educate them. I'll tell them my story. Um, I might even have them listen to the podcast. Yeah, you know, it's there like, you go. <laughs> it's still around in 18 years yeah. on Spotify. You know. <laughs> I think that's so important. Like people will make their own decisions, but for them to understand what the potential consequences may be or, um, you know, understand sort of start to finish what it may look like. That's all we can do. Right. And uh, hopefully help a lot of people out. One, one of my biggest goals ever in life is to, uh, start my own, uh, privately funded, uh, sobriety clinics or uh, homeless shelters out in some uh, impoverished areas. Nice. So, Hopefully, you know, with the grace of God, I can become successful enough to be able to share all that. You know, so. Well, Jack, thanks so much for being a part of the Sobriety Diaries family and sharing your perspective. I think it's a super important story to tell, and I'm glad that you did it with us. Thanks, Nate. I really I appreciate the, uh, the ability to be here and, you know, you offering to have me on the show again. So it, it means a lot to me. Thanks, man. Blair Sharp, welcome back to the Sobriety Diaries, my friend. So good to see you again. Yeah, I'm glad to see you. It's been a while. You can hear our full interview with Blair in episode 21, Alcohol Free, No Bottom Required. Uh, probably one of my favorite titles from season one, I got to say. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. And... Uh, you know, it sort of encompasses uh, the entire message of your story. Revisit sort of this idea that if you decide alcohol is not serving you, you can simply cut it out of your life. 
Yeah, I kind of go back and forth with the, did I have a rock bottom? What is a rock bottom? Yeah. Is is the rock bottom just where you decide that you can't live that way anymore? I mean, you know, really, that's all it is, right? So is it the stigma of what a rock bottom should be, you know, or the yeah. idea? It's more of what it is, really. It's like, we think that it's needs to be jail and uh, losing your family or getting divorced or these big, big, big things, you know, um, but I think it's just important to talk about the fact that you don't need that. You can just decide, Hey, this is not going well for me. And, uh, I've had enough proof that this is how I drink and right. I need to stop. <laughs> it's not going to change if I don't stop. Right. Let's talk about the sober curator and yeah. How did you get hooked up with Elise and yeah. what is your focus on the facts of life? Yeah. Facts of AF life. Facts of AF um, life. So I think I just reached out to Elise last year sometime um, and, and just asked about, I was looking for other places to do some writing. I just reached out to her about, uh, you know, what she does and, and if she needs someone to write and I didn't, wasn't really totally sure like in what, uh, like what I could do for her, but, um, we did a zoom and we, we hit it off and we chatted and then we just came up with all these ideas and that, you know, my name is Blair. So that's from the facts of life and it's the facts of AF life. And then yeah. it's, you know, funny and whatever. Um, and so I don't really, my goal this year was to kind of like have a plan for the sober curator. Like right now, like, it's just like, whatever. I just like kind of write about whatever. It's just like life in general. It's like, it's hard for me to narrow down a plan, but I want to do that this year. That's kind of like my goal for, for that. Um, so if you have any that's, ideas, I, that's genius. <laughs> the plan ladies and gentlemen is to have a plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at right now. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been doing some, what have I done? I've done some, uh, about, uh, parenting. Um, I wrote an open letter to Molly Sims, which got a lot of, it was pretty popular when I wrote that. That was a big one. Um, in regards and, to uh, the Tropicana ad. No, or? this was just, just her in general. She's got just, it. uh, one of those that always posts about like, uh, drinking, you know, when your kids are home and let's poke fun at hiding booze in a coffee mug, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So like, it was like a reel that she had made, like saying, they'll never know. They'll never know. Mm. And she's like pouring booze into her coffee mug. And it's, and so I was like, I need to write, like, I just saw one of the reels and I was like, okay, well, I got to write something about this. So I just like started writing and it turned out to be kind of like a letter to her. Like, um, just imagine you're this mom who's struggling and they see your, your content. And then imagine you're a kid of a parent who is struggling try to think of that versus like, oh, I'm going to get all these views. Right. It's funny. You yeah. know, this mommy wine culture, like get a, get a grip, you know, but, um, and then you know, there's lots of comments saying like, well, maybe she's struggling too. And I'm like, yeah, maybe she is, but she has the means. Yeah. She has the means if right. anyone does. We've talked about this before, but yeah. the genius <laughs> of finding the secret to life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I and always probably, talk about that. You're probably sick of me bringing it up. But no, I love it. Like people bring it up to me now, like, Hey, yeah. I loved that episode with Blair. You know, it, it's just so simple, that. but so profound. Yes. Yeah. I, since quitting drinking, like I know now what life is about, like what it's supposed to be about. Right. And I think you get little glimpses of this throughout your life. So it doesn't have to be like, okay, you have to quit drinking in order to feel this way. Like right. some people can drink, like it doesn't hold them back, you know? Um, but that was what was holding me back. So it could be like a job, right? Like you could be like, Oh, you know, I have to work less or, or quit my job and, and do this instead. Something you're passionate about. And you're like, okay, now I've figured out, like, I now feel like I know what's going on, the secret mm -hmm. to life. So for me, it was, it was the alcohol, getting rid of the alcohol. I love it. So I'll true. Never quit yeah. using it. Yeah. I no, always credit you right you ahead. Too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love seeing when you will post a new article you've written or uh, on a new platform or kind of talk about what path you would like that to take mm. or like ideally where Blair Sharp, the writer will be in, you know, three or four years. Yeah. So, uh, that's a really good question. You know, right now I'm trying to figure out how to manage my time. <laughs> because I just don't have a lot of it. 
So that's first on the list. Um, I'm doing a lot more writing for this blog in my city, uh, Rochester Mom. Uh, I'm doing a few of those, probably like three or four a month for her. And so that's, that's a like lot a for, lot. Yeah, yeah. For somebody and I work full time, you know, I, I, I do take a lot of days off. <laughs> <laughs> I have Friday off. I'm going to be dropping my hours soon and having a day off a week at least, um, or around that. Um, so that's going to be a little bit better and then I'll be able to, to kind of figure that out. But I don't know, I, I would like to do my full-time job a little bit less and, yeah. um, and do writing more. But yeah. It's hard to find the time. And I, I, I understand how people, who have uh, maybe older kids have all this time to do this stuff. But like my kid like wants me to play with him at all times, you know, or yeah. I want to go to bed at eight 30. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not very productive at night, you know, and getting up I'm early like done yeah. by like yeah. five or 6 PM. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like my husband said the other night, you know, well, you know, if you want to go downstairs and work on your stuff on your computer, um, like that's fine. I'm like, I don't, I'm not motivated to do it at night. Like I want to yeah. do it in the morning. So like, I need the time, you know, on the weekend or whatever. So yeah, where it's going to be in three years, I don't know. Um, I don't think I'll ever totally quit my job, yeah. you know, like, um, entirely like, I like my job. Yeah. I don't really have the, I don't really want to like make my own blog. I did that before. Like, and it's not really being You're a good contributor. Yeah. I don't like being, I think I don't like being tied down to like, okay, you have to do a blog a mm, month, Yeah, but whatever, like, so yeah, I don't know. And then Instagram is just kind of allowing me to make those connections and, um, meet different, uh, people, writers, companies, brands, you know, and to, to make those connections and hopefully, um, expand my writing that way. And my, um, influencing, I don't know. I don't like that term, but what else? The amount of opportunity that exists through the online recovery world is absolutely bonkers. you never know what it's going to be. So I think if we just remain like open and accepting of what the universe will throw at us, that's all we can do. Who are you going to be tomorrow? Not like, what are you going to do tomorrow? Blair, thank you so much for being a part of the Sobriety Diaries family. I want to work with you as often as possible. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Tell everyone where they can catch you online. So I'm on Instagram at Sobriety Activist. And then my website is BlairSharp.com. And then also on Facebook at BlairSharp-Writer. Thanks again, Blair. We'll be in touch, my friend. Perfect. Thank you. Have a good night. And lastly, we are talking to Brooke today. Brooke was in episode 12, Walking Through Grief. Hi, Brooke. I love the connections that we make doing podcasts and stuff like this. That's pretty much how I've met all of my new friends. <laughs> so, yeah. This is cool. Yeah. I was talking to uh, another alcoholic the other day, and we were kind of talking about, you know, being a little more isolated over the last couple of years and not like doing much socializing or meeting new people. But she said, but haven't you met more people online and like made more friends online in the last two years than you would have like in normal life? Absolutely. Like there's no denying it. The recovery community online. Amazing. Right? Yeah. I can't wait till everything's open. Like, I just feel like I have so much traveling to do now to meet everybody in person. Yeah. Um, it's been really cool, but I've also like lost a couple of people that I got really close to online. And it's so weird to grieve someone that you've never actually met in person. Yeah. But like you, you build these connections that are real connections just through the internet. It's, it's such a strange thing we're living in right now. It really is. How would you clarify, I guess, the, the grief in your life now? Well, now I think I'm finding more meaning in it. At first it was like really, really hard, heavy days. And then it was like heavy days with good moments. And then I could say like, oh, I had a good, I had a good moment today and I could kind of hold on to that. And then there was like a mix of good and bad days. (laughs) Now I feel like I'm having really good days with some heavy moments. So I feel like there's been so much progress made and it's been the hardest journey of my life. And also I'm starting to find the beauty and the value in it, which is a blessing. Like I don't have to suffer in it anymore, which is just so huge. The holidays were really hard to get through and, um, things like his birthday, stuff like that still takes me down for sure. (laughs) Like 
every, everything he's supposed to be here for, I, when I notice his presence missing, it's it's really hard. But I also went on this really huge spiritual journey. And sometimes I feel more connected to my brother now than I ever had when he was alive, because I feel like I can really communicate with him now. Like I, I spend more time talking to him now than I did when he was around. I'm able to say things that I was kind of nervous to talk to him about before. Yeah. I mean, I would never wish it on anybody. And I, I, if I could take it back a hundred percent, I would want it not to happen, but it is beautiful to be able to find some beauty in it, you know? Yeah. And I have to mention this because I didn't put it in the original episode, but when, as soon as we started talking about your brother's death, I don't know if you remember this, but you were at your desk and your ring light like <laughs> flew off of the stand and like hit you in the face. And yeah. I think that is testament to he sees what you're doing and he's proud of of the work that you do and the progress you've made. A hundred percent. I almost thought because when he was like here, he wasn't really wanting to be on camera. He didn't really like me filming it or yes. So yes. I was wondering if he's like, can you stop talking about me? <laughs> Like totally. In the face of the ring I was, yeah, I was like in awe. Like, wow, that's, yeah. that's clearly not a coincidence. It's happened so many times on my lives too. And I talk about him on uh, TikTok live, especially like little orbs and stuff will fly around. People will be like, did you see that? Did you see that? It's crazy. Like how, I, I don't want to say ignorant, I guess ignorant or naive I was yeah. to like the yeah. vast like amount of spirituality that I just didn't even connect with. Cause I was really involved in the church and like, there was a very specific way to, you know, praise God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so Eventually. the pandemic actually was this huge blessing that really opened up my spiritual box. Cause I, I couldn't go to church anymore. I didn't have people telling me how to pray and how to worship God. And I got to find like, what is my own conception of this and what works for me? And it's just so much bigger and more beautiful than anything I could have imagined. Well, perfect segue. This incredible spiritual journey that you've been on and developing this uh, craft and this gift that you are now sharing with others. Let's let's talk a little bit about that journey. Yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting the feedback like that people would resonate with it so quickly. Um, it was something new that I started trying because when I pulled cards for myself, it gave me this connection to God that I hadn't felt in a long time. I felt like I could get messages from spirit and really get some guidance in my day because I found praying and meditating so difficult. And I had a resentment against God because of what happened with my brother. So the way I used to connect to God wasn't working for me anymore. And at the moment, like pulling an affirmation card or whatever um, really gave me some hope. And then going in other people's lives and getting readings from them and like getting to hear from my brother connect with him or they're like literally telling me like there's a young male here he's saying that he understands now and like one person after another is telling me the exact same thing like wow i just i so i started really believing and i got into it and then i can't do anything half-assed like when i get into something <laughs> we were just it doesn't... talking about that <laughs> yeah it just like it's not like I just like buy a deck of cards that's like, yay, this is going to be fun. It's yeah. like I become that thing. Right. <laughs> like I take courses. I'm now certified uh, card reader. I have like 25 different decks. Really developing your intuition is, is a big part. Like spending time in prayer and meditation and being connected is huge for me because it allows me to give messages before I start thinking. And I find that's when it's the best. Like I pull a card, the first thing that comes to my mind, it feels like it just comes through me. Yeah. And I don't even know what I just said. And that's how I know it's like not me talking. It's like divine. Right. And it's the same thing that happened in meetings when I'd go and share and like things would just come out of my mouth and I have no idea what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> but it, Same it, because if I thought about out. it, like as it's going around the circle and I'm thinking and I'm thinking, then I just hype myself up too much and pass. But yeah. if I just like keep my mind free and open and take in what everyone else is saying and just commit to the fact that I'm going to share when it comes to be my turn. And then it's like, speak from the heart. When we were building my website earlier in the year, I did a couple manifestations because you, you had sort of just started on this journey and we were talking about things along that nature. And I did it and they came true and like I launched my production company and quickly got six clients. So like, I'm excited for this little workshop and, and to, I guess, develop that uh, mentality a bit more. I have two crystals. Will you tell me your interpretations of these? Sure. I have, a, I have an amethyst that a listener sent me. Oh, beautiful. And I have this golden healer quartz. 
Oh, wow. I know amethyst is a really powerful healing stone. And if you have anxiety, um, you're dealing with mental health struggles, it can, it can be a very grounding, very soothing stone. And it's called the recovery stone. Like a lot of people in recovery, it's actually my birthstone as well. (laughs) Quartz is a cool stone because it amplifies whatever it's attached to. So I've never actually heard of a golden healing quartz, which is really cool. I'm going to look that up after. Yeah. But I know when you have a quartz um, and you pair it with another crystal, it amplifies whatever that crystal is. And the energy that you're putting into your crystals is almost as important as what the crystal is itself. So just keep that in mind. Like you can set intentions and hold them in your crystals and stuff and yeah, it's I, I love the practice of crystals. I don't work with them as much as I used to because I find like once you get really in tune with your intuition um, and really connected, you don't need these tools as much as you used to. It becomes like an add-on, but it's not as necessary. So it's it's just evolved my whole spiritual practice around that. Brooke, thank you so much. I am grateful all the time that we connected and I'm sure that we will be collaborating or working on things in the future as well. A million percent. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We are also revisiting our partnership with Exact Nature in season two. Exact Nature's all-natural CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you with addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, and even improving sleep. Founded by a father and son in recovery, they truly understand the needs of the sober community. Learn more at exactnature.com, and as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive 20% off, exactnature.com. And today we are lucky enough to be talking to founder of Exact Nature, Thomas White. Hi, Thomas. How are you today? Great, Nate. I kind of wanted to start with really just the core of how CBD works. In the case of CBD, it's a case where the the uh, people's experience with CBD has outpaced the research. So the research is kind of thin, but all of it points to, but, but what is there is very positive. And it all points to working like this. We have an endocannabinoid system and that runs, it's a system of neurotransmitters that runs from our brain throughout our body. And that our endocannabinoid system can get a little bit out of whack from time to time, especially for us in in recovery. Um, And so what CBD helps do is realign uh, that endocannabinoid system. So the cannabinoids in CBD, refill that endocannabinoid system to put your body back into equilibrium. The same thing for for addiction, alcoholism, and so forth, is our our brain circuitry gets out of whack. And so CBD helps get that brain brain circuitry back in alignment. It breaks the psychological bridge that rewards addictive behavior and reduces drug-seeking behavior. You and I have talked in the past about a hesitancy to take something else or to take a pill in recovery? How can we confirm really that it's not the THC side of the plant uh, and that it is safe for those of us in recovery? Right. And it's it's very valid that somebody that are, is going through this doesn't want to rely on another substance to get sober. Right. What I, what I would say is there's nothing addictive in our products. Uh, all exact nature products, we have the THC removed. So there's no THC in any of our products. There's an added sensitivity to that given, given our audience. All of the substances, all of the ingredients within our, in our products are all natural. So people that uh, a lot of people like like myself, I got sober 13 years ago now, and I kind of white knuckled it. I got through it and learned to to live without alcohol and other addictive uh, addictive substances, um, and that was a, a fine way to do it. And I under I but it was it was difficult. So what we're offering is a chance that that you take you take CBD. Yeah, allow yourself to start feeling better. It just kind of balances your body, puts it back into equilibrium. And, and therefore, uh, it makes it easier to, to approach this issue of, of reducing or stopping altogether your use of addictive substances. Hmm. So I, I would never say that 
somebody should take CBD and, and will get sober just from taking CBD. Uh, it, it won't work that, like that. Uh, maybe in the occasional case, it might work like that, but that's, but that's not what I'm, I'm suggesting. I think it's, it has to be part of a broader approach to getting sober. So if somebody's going to meetings or watching podcasts like the Sobriety Diaries, and that will help them because it kind of keeps this, this notion of being sober front and center in the forefront of their, of their thinking. And that together, those things help. So if you have something that can kind of help tamp down some of those addict addictive cravings, then it's a, it's a, a hand up in this uh, difficult what can be difficult process. Right. Let's talk a little bit about each product that you offer and sort of what each of their focus is. The detox products, their only reason for being is to help people curb addictive cravings. So we, t and CBD in and of itself can help with these. And there's, there's research that points to this and, and, and supports this. So we take a very good uh, a premium quality CBD and surround it with, with ingredients that have long been used for these issues. For instance, kudzu is something that, that we use in our products. Kudzu has been used by the Chinese since 600 AD to, to, curb, to curb addictive cravings. So we use that and L-tyrosine. We had some amino acids that, that help with, with liver function and, and I would point people to our, our website to learn more about the ingredients in each of these. Then we have a product called Serenity, which as, as the name applies, brings calm and focus. Same thing, we use ashwagandha, we use a number of other uh, natural herbs and vitamins and essential oils. We Z's is used to help with better, to provide better sleep, so it has uh, melatonin and it has chamomile and, and valerian root in addition to the CBD. One thing about the CBD oil that's different, we've, we've, it has CBD in it, but it has one of the other cannabinoids that has, is increasingly being identified to help with sleep and it's called cannabinol, CBN. They all kind of sound similar, but CBN. So we've, we've upped the, the, the portion of CBN and our CBD oil. So it works, it works that way in CBD and CBN. You pride yourself on, on sort of the manufacturing process as well and how you source these ingredients. Right. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. We get out all of our products from a company called PNX Botanicals. They're, they're located in Sparks, Nevada, Reno, Nevada. The way that we were connected, got connected to PNX, and the way that Exact Nature, the only reason we're in business is because of PNX. I was next door neighbors with the founders of PNX Botanicals in, in Reno. We, we lived next to one another. And through them, I learned about CBD and how it can be used. Uh, primarily, I, I learned through them how it can be used for, uh, with mood and focus depression, anxiety, things like that. And I thought, well, that's, that's something that I suffer from having, because uh, when I quit drinking and doing drugs 13 years ago, depression moved in when my active addiction moved out. So, mm. so Mike and Sasha Perry at PNX Botanicals introduced to me to how CBD was being used for these things. And then from then I asked questions about how it could be used for addiction. They, and when I asked that question, they just lit up. They had, yes, they have, they have questions. They have friends that they have been using. Uh, they have been providing their CB, the same CBD I use, their CBD to, to help with these issues. And they talked about one friend of theirs that had an opioid addiction that's been helping with that. And there's a, there's a fair amount of research that says that, that CBD can help with uh, opioid addiction and then with alcoholism as well. And, and so it's the same kinds of same principle as when we discussed earlier. And that is, if your body is in balance, you're less likely to seek these uh, kinds of substances that impair right. So you're, you're much, you're much at ease uh, with, with in, in, in equilibrium and you're less likely to seek out these addictive substances. 
Our listeners can go to exactnature.com and, of course, use the code TSD20 uh, for 20% off of their order. What's something that you would like people to take away? Uh, maybe the top one or two. Well, uh, as I, I referenced white knuckling it before, you know, some people that they don't want to, to something like CBD because they see it as a crutch. And what I would say is I, I wouldn't view it like that in any case, because it's not a crutch as much as a, an all natural, uh, an all natural supplement that, that can just make you feel better. And so I don't see any downside to that. There's not, it's not, the, these products are not addictive in any, any way. They don't have anything of that. They're not, they're non-intoxicating. So if, if anybody's reluctance to use these products is because they see that they're substituting one substance for another. I would, I would caution against that because it's not, it's not that way, that way. I, I believed in CBD when I started this company, as you would imagine, but now a year later, I, I know that we're on the right track. I know these products are making a difference. So that's what I, I want. That's where my uh, gratification comes from is knowing that these these products can help. So if, if people are on the fence, um, you as a TSD twenty offers a, a nice twenty percent discount to people trying these products, and and we'll it's not just uh, once, but they can use that that on an ongoing uh, basis. Uh, try these products, give them give them a shot because I, I don't see any downside. It's all upside. It's just. Uh, you know, there's no downside to feeling better. I agree. I started using them, you know, well into, I think my fifth year of recovery. And I just think like the overall wellness that I felt, well you know, it's not just that specific thing that you're looking for. It's sort of an overall feeling that I, that I really enjoy. That's right. That's right. It kind of just kind of lifts you up. It, yeah. It, makes it makes everything a little bit lighter and it makes it easier to face uh, all the things that we have to face in our day-to-day -day lives. That's right. Well, Thomas, I appreciate your time, my friend. Nate, thank you. And I, and I appreciate your support so much, admiring of, of what you're doing and your success. And I just think it's, uh, it's, it's so wonderful and it couldn't happen to a, a nicer guy. And I, and I wish you all the continued success. I appreciate that. Same to you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. Make sure you check out today's show notes for all of the information on today's episode and how to connect with our guest. You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at thesobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast and on Instagram at the sobriety diaries pod. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes with new stories to tell, but until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye friends.